Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful people with the power of your love through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Platoon, Saving Private Ryan, The Hurt Locker, American Sniper, all movies about soldiers. On this Memorial Day weekend, we stop to remember all who have been lost while serving our country. While many of us celebrate this weekend with barbecues and pool parties, I would imagine that many find this weekend bittersweet. Losing people during wartime affects more people in this room than we can imagine. We just don't always talk about the cost of being a soldier. Our cathedral has added a few new furnishings today. One I'll draw your attention to, which you might not have seen, is in the back of the room, the American flag that's in the columbarium, donated by the Haldeman family several years ago. It's there today because it's situated right next to the war memorial plaque. If you've never seen this memorial plaque before, it's worth remembering the people who sat here in these pews and people who are still related to them who sit in these pews, that all of them have been touched by war. Obviously, there are many other people who have died in this congregation in war since the times that those plaques, the plaque was made probably in the late 1940s. But on this Memorial Day, we remember. We remember the soldiers who were lost, and we also pledge to support and honor those who loved them. Being a soldier isn't easy. In many ways, your life is truly out of your hands, out of your control. And it would be irresponsible for me, who's never served in the military, to imply that I know what this is like. But a trusted friend of the church, the writer C.S. Lewis, knew plenty about it. Having served in World War I, C.S. Lewis was no, no stranger to the stresses of military service. In the public address he made on the radio during the Second World War, he eloquently described the hardships a soldier has to face. He says, all that we fear from all the kinds of adversity is collected together in the life of the soldier on active service. Like sickness, it threatens pain and death. Like poverty, it threatens ill lodging, cold, thirst, and hunger. Like slavery, it threatens toil, humiliation, injustice, and arbitrary rule. Like exile, like exile, it separates you from all that you love. C.S. Lewis knew the sacrifices of being a soldier, that those sacrifices cost something. Sometimes the sacrifices cost everything, including life itself. Ironic, then, that today we have a gospel story about a soldier, a Roman centurion. Roman centurions were sometimes appointed by their superiors for their valor, for their bravery in times of battle. 
Other times, though, they were actually elected by their legion to serve as the head of their century or their group of a hundred men. The centurions had to be brave. They had to be tough because centurions were expected to be on the very front line of battle, leading by example. To be a centurion was an honor, but I can imagine it was also probably scary because it was highly dangerous. Our centurion today has a valued servant who has fallen ill with little hope of recovery. He hears that Jesus has come to Capernaum and sends other local people to beg Jesus to come and heal the man. But before Jesus can even come near the house, the centurion sends word to Jesus that his holy presence is so valued that he himself isn't worthy for him to come even under his roof. The words of Jesus will be enough to heal. And Jesus is astonished by the man's faith. After all, this man is an outsider. Recognizing the power of God that Jesus' disciples, his family, his faith community can't recognize. And the story tells us that because of the centurion's faith, the slave is made well. Was this centurion brave? Did he show valor? Or did he recognize something in the human existence, within the human experience, that made him approach Jesus with fear and trembling, with humility, with an open heart, instead of one that was surrounded by shields? I ask this because there's another story in the Gospels. Not from Luke's gospel, what we're hearing from today, but from Mark, which Luke's gospel is taken from. But from Mark's gospel, where the people are in Capernaum, they need healing. And the story says that there are so many people gathered around a house that the people climb on top of a house and break the roof open to let a paralyzed man go in to be healed. But this time the centurion doesn't dare. He recognizes the holiness of Jesus, and as an outsider, he wants Jesus to know that even though he, as the highest-ranking Roman soldier, is more powerful than anyone in town, he is less powerful than this holy man that he has been learning about. He wants to invite his healing power, but he doesn't even presume that Jesus, a religious Jew, would even dare interact with a pagan, this hated enemy, a representative of Rome that he himself is. In some ways, the soldier believes that he's in a type of spiritual exile. Part of one establishment, the Roman Empire, while at the same time longing to be part of the kingdom of God in relationship with Jesus, the Holy One of God. Maybe the soldier has seen his time as a centurion as one of arbitrary rule, of threatening toil and humiliation upon others. Maybe he's trying to amend his ways. We don't know. What we do know is that the centurion wanted to know more about the ways of God. We know that the centurion treated people in the village well and that he believed even more than the villagers He believed that this Jesus 
this man of a culture and religion different than his was holy, and he was about to change the world. He saw the humble and gentle Jesus being more powerful than he, a member of the Roman army. And he wanted to know he could in some way be included in the kingdom of God, even though he didn't have it all figured out. So back to us. Do we ever feel like we live in two worlds or serve two masters or have such split priorities that we see tension and disconnect between all these facets in our lives rather than some kind of unity? God or country? God or wealth? Politics or sanity? Work or family? Siblings or our children? Family of origin, family of choice. Lots of tension. Lots of places where our worlds compartmentalize and are not integrated. How do we then honor all facets of our lives? Are we just a patchwork of tensions? Or is there something, something overall that might surpass all of them? Something like the healing power of Christ, a way to integrate our whole selves into the presence of one who calls us beloved. Where is that overarching desire for goodness and restoration and healing and love for you? Where is that found where you have that goodness for love and for healing and for goodness and and restoration? Think about it. What is that desire, that hope that we have in us? What does it look like? How do you tap into it? And what do you do about it? The centurion today responded to a crisis. He was an outsider to Jesus. He was the enemy in some ways. But because of his valor, of being true to his position, on the front line, leading by example, he invited Jesus to bring the witness of God's healing power and restoration, not only for the people of Capernaum, but also for the Roman slaves and soldiers who were with him. And by taking this risk, a risk that could have cost him everything, his position in the army, his status as a citizen of Rome, and even maybe his personal safety. By taking this risk, he invited Jesus to open up a world for him of God's power that he had only desired and imagined and hoped within. He hadn't ever seen it, but he had hoped for it. And on this day, his hopes for God's saving action in the world were realized. But we would be mistaken. We would be mistaken if the centurion suddenly developed faith out of nowhere. His faith must have started somewhere deep within him, probably a prompting of the Holy Spirit, or maybe through his interactions in Capernaum with one or two of Jesus' disciples that he met somewhere. Obviously, the centurion had a desire for good in the world. The story tells us that he treated people well. He had a longing for something that had not yet 
been made fully known. So we would have to assume that his faith was something that grew slowly through relationship, through inquiry, through setting down roots among the people of Capernaum. In some ways, perhaps our own faith development could continue to grow in the same way through deepening relationships with one another, with other people in our community, through our prayer and through study and through a commitment, a commitment that we make to one another here at Trinity Cathedral to walk together on this journey of life and to witness and name the presence of the Almighty when we see God at work within us and acting among us. Practicing faith this way, by expecting to name God's actions, by us praying with expectation, might give us the strength and hope to tackle anything that confronts or confuses us in the days to come. We don't always talk about the cost of being a soldier. How do you go to the front line, to the front line, and like a centurion, lead by example? Taking a risk to make God's witness of healing and love known in your world. How might you lead by example? Being a soldier isn't easy. How are you taking a risk like the centurion and inviting Jesus in? Imagine what might happen if you do.